0: Thank you for listening to the Maker in the Mix podcast, where we discuss design, innovation, and all things concrete. Thing where we are talking when it starts recording, which is now the second time I've said that, and I think it's really funny. But finding um, <laughs> right. the pump, so to speak, we're recording now. Okay. Yeah, as they welcome say. everybody. By the way, uh, well, welcome. Yes, welcome to Maker in the Mix twenty six. Oh episode 26 i'm um, super excited to be on here with diane mullis uh, of pro concrete countertops in albertville minnesota which uh like you said is near the twin cities um i believe you attended class in october 2019 and um yeah so we'll kind of do sort of what we did with jason johnston last week and i feel like i'm talking really loud i'm sorry um but uh kind of get your your background a little bit, your story, where you came from, you know, go as far back as you want to and then, you know, kind of what got you into concrete. Mm-hmm. Um you know, just the the general outline. Um Jeff, do you have anything to add to that before we let Diane oh, that's, take that's it away?
1: for start. I mean, lots to cover right there. So, take it Love away, it. Diane. Well,
2: have fun. pressures on. <laughs> okay, so now that you said episode twenty six, that's really funny because it's my favorite number. Look it's at been that! My favorite number forever, so <laughs> I
1: mean, it's absolutely
2: meant to be. To right? be. I'm happy. Um, I love
0: it. I love it.
2: <laughs> um, so I grew up in Minnesota, northern Minnesota. I grew up on a farm. Um, did farm things, you know. Uh, drove a uh, the rake when I was eleven. That's uh, the first thing I learned how to drive. I think besides my you know, dirt bike and three wheeler. So, um, we butchered cows every year. We did a lot of, um, you know, mechanical things as well. Living on a farm, I Minnesota has a great program where you can take um, full time college your last two years of high school. So, um, I went to full time college um, when I was sixteen. I actually moved into the dorms just like any other freshman at sixteen years old. Wow! Uh, and then. Um, Graduated high school and had two years of college under my belt. Decided that I wanted to be an engineer. Mechanical seemed the right fit for kind of my farm background. Um, Mm -hmm. And then I decided to go to, it's now Kettering University. It used to be General Motors Institute. I wanted to be an automotive engineer. Um, Graduated from there and started as a automotive engineer working for Johnson Controls for about six years. When I worked for them, I was a advanced engineer, which meant we were responsible for innovations, um, as well as like teaching some of the other engineers, some of the stuff that they may have missed in class, um, kind of like refreshers and things like that. Um, And then I moved, that was in Michigan. And then I moved back to Minnesota. um, And then I was an engineering manager for a welding shop that made outdoor wood boilers. Um, I worked for them for about six years. After that, I moved closer to the Twin Cities um, and I started working for a packaging company. So they made automated packaging equipment, um, Mm -hmm. things that you would see um, like bags of dirt, bags of mulch. We were kind of um, the dirty plant people. That's what we would say. So (laughs) I was very used to going to a lot of different dirty plants, if you will. But we made... Um, things like scales, form-fill seal machines, um, pretty much a lot of the things that you would put in a bag. Um, I was at one of the plant startups, which was a cement plant. It was for a um, cro- contracted company for Menards, which is kind of like Home Home Depot or Lowe's. Mm-hmm. And I was there when they first started up their new cement packing plant because they were going to put um, concrete into plastic bags. That was... That was very interesting. Um, That was one of my first introductions, I would say, to messing around with concrete a little bit. Mm -hmm. Um, They had this batch and they would put the batch into what they called skip, which was basically like a big hopper. And they would, you know, skip would go up six floors and then it would dump into the mixer. And then the mixer would dump it into their, you know, who I work for their equipment. Um, They didn't get the first batches correct. So it was mostly Portland and it rained concrete and cement on our heads from six stories above. Oh, it was no. crazy. Like we had to run, oh, had to no. run the door. They did this twice. So, anyway, I remember telling the um, engineer that was with me, I said, This is the worst. Concrete is the worst <laughs> thing ever. Um,
1: look at where yeah, you are now. So that
2: was fun. Um, and it was really in the middle of nowhere so we you know when you go back to your hotel there's only one hotel there and it was this really dirty you know i didn't even want to use the towels they were moldy smelling It was oh. awful. anyway sorry to get back to, um so i was a director of engineering for um the packaging company i loved what i did i traveled a lot um we went all over the u.s um i went to europe a little bit um and so i was also building a house at the time um I have built and general contracted three of my own homes. My oldest daughter is handicapped. She's in a power wheelchair. So designing um, homes for accessibility um, was really important. Um, My first husband was a framer, so we framed our first house together. And he's the one who kind of talked me into, hey, we can do this. We can general contract our own house. We can frame our own house. Um, So after I did the first house, I thought, yeah, this this isn't that hard. Um, And... You know, I I loved my job that I was doing already. I didn't really plan on leaving engineering. Um, So the third house that I built, I got to the countertops, didn't really know what to do. This is kind of probably a lot of our, you know, the other artisan stories. Like we made our own countertops. That's typically Mm -hmm. how we get into it, right? Um, So my story isn't really any different there. Definitely did the, you know, pour in place. You know, it was like 5,000 PSI. (laughs) <laughs> yeah. Bought a mixer, had it in the middle of my kitchen. I spent like $25,000 on my kitchen cabinets and I was nervous. I was like, am I going to ruin these really expensive custom cabinets that I just paid for? Right. Um, but it turned out really well. I asked stained stain them. Um, when I asked stained them, they did not turn out the color I was expecting. So that was another learning <laughs> experience. Mm-hmm. Um, after that, I started just kind of playing with concrete. I made some vanities. I sold some stuff. um, But it was really just dabbling. I was just like a hobby. And I had this uh, vision in the back of my mind that I really wanted to do this for a living because I really loved it. I understood that um, what I was doing was not GFRC. Like I knew GFRC was out there. I had no clue what it was. There were no mixed designs online. So I knew and I, you know, just Google search, look up fine concrete countertop institute so i'm like this is where i want to go but at the time i had i didn't have any time i was working i was traveling i had kids you know um but i knew if i really wanted to learn gfrc that i would go to cci so that was kind of on my plan of things to so, eventually. so when
0: when was that like kind of just give us a yeah that
2: was probably in 2015 i was thinking about doing the class mm-hmm. but i just stood- didn't Mm-hmm. Um. So, let's see, six years after I started working at the packaging company, uh, they decided to move all of their operations to Chicago, so I lost my job. And that was in 2019, like spring, and I was like, hey, I have time to go to CCI. <laughs> so I signed up for the class, I took it in, I believe it was October 2019. It was um, the first class you guys had Buddy Rhodes. I was so excited to meet Buddy. He does not disappoint. He's a great guy. <laughs> um, I didn't really know anything about Jeff when I went to the class. Um, and let's see. So the first you know, morning I show up in North Carolina. Um, <laughs> this is like my, my testimony, I would say, is I show up in North Carolina. It's uh, the morning of the class, and I'm getting ready in the hotel room, and I'm praying and praying, God, what do I do? Like, should I do this full time? Should I, you know, go back to engineering? You know, because it's not like I was a white collar executive. I got paid really well, you know, doing what I was doing. I really loved what I did. Um, I certainly knew that I love concrete as well, but it's just kind of like one of those crossroads. Like, what do you do with your life? Do you make the jump? Do you not make the jump? Um, and Jeff still hasn't told me where this piece has came from because I've told him this story before. but. So I literally left my hotel room. I tripped over this piece of concrete. I am not lying huh. at all. I don't know where it came from. And I'm Interesting. like, where did this come from? So to me, that says, that's God. That's God answering me. Here's your sign, like literally. So I tripped over it that morning. I picked it up and I've kept it ever since. Um,
1: let me Let me see uh, that really fast. Yeah, where did you find it? Like, in the hotel?
2: It was in the hotel on the floor. I tripped over it.
0: That's crazy. That is so funny. In my, in, in, like, at first I'm thinking, okay, did she stay in the same hotel I did? Did one of, did a sample fall out of my bag? I don't know, but it's thicker than anyone I would have made. (laughs) That's the weirdest thing. (laughs) That's so Um, funny. I love that.
2: So, that's definitely my introduction to, uh, getting into concrete. I took the class. I did have, you know, what was nice about waiting to take the class, at least for me is I had some understanding of, Hey, I've poured some concrete myself. I have a little bit of an understanding of how to make molds and things like that. I didn't know how to grout. I didn't know how to spray. I didn't know GFRC. Um, but you know, I'm also a hands-on person. So it's like some of the people that took our class, like I kind of wondered if they knew how to use a drill. Or mm-hmm. if they knew how to use a jigsaw. Because he didn't look very comfortable with power tools. But I felt very comfortable. Um, Jeff let me spray. Um, I kind of sprayed it all over. Which he gave me a little heck about. Like, where are you? <laughs> that was, <laughs> that, that, was that, that
1: weird curvy bench thing. And it, we did it in black. I remember that. Yeah.
0: Yes, we did.
1: Yeah. yeah.
0: Well, and the, you were you were testing out the um, the Benron, I think. Yeah. Uh, the backer back back gun. When that had... The rim was it the back hopper? Well Yeah, yeah. yeah that's right. It, which is yeah. way better than the Benron. The Benron was during my class, which was just yeah. it was bad. Anyway. So,
1: yes. Well that that was uh your your initiation into the world of, of GFRC and how messy spraying is and how um uh intensively messy black concrete can be.
0: <laughs> oh yes. Your whole your whole shop yeah. your eye, like your eye sockets, I feel like, or, you like, know, the ear you have a cool holes, liner. your hair. Yeah.
2: <laughs> so. It definitely was. I remember you were, so we grouted that bench and, uh, at least we, I, you know, certain groups were doing certain things and other groups are doing other things. I don't know if I was part of the grout team or not, but we, we, as a class did not grout it very well. And when we wet ground it, or actually I think we acid etched it again. Hmm. Um, but yeah, some of the too, grout like right. either came out or wasn't there. Yeah. And Jeff was, he was on us. He was like, <laughs> no, you do not, you cannot have this bad quality. Um, you know? And I was like, this is kind of great. You know, like he's very concerned, like CCI's name is on our like backing us a little bit and we have to make good concrete. We can't make junk. Right. Totally. Um, so some of the people in the class did not take that well. To yeah. me, I was like, I don't care. Like I've been yelled at, like screamed at in my face before. Some of the automotive engineers are—they get really hyped up sometimes. You know, and I want had people had to realize yeah,
1: that I, I don't. I have like a super even temper, and I don't. It's it's rare for me to yell, but that that was like the culmination of a whole lot of like hurting cats. And you were in a pretty big class, <laughs> and so when there were, when there yeah, were, well, and. <laughs>
0: I've experienced Jeff uh, being upset, I think, two times. Once was that, and and the other was when this guy decided it would be a really good idea to try and cast a sofa during an Ultimate class. Oh, yeah. Uh, and, uh, you know... That <laughs> took us three days to build a It turned out fantastic. Yeah, it did. But I... Somebody else wasn't happy with uh, with my choice of the project, <laughs> and and there was you know it was like well we have to get this done we have to get this done we have to get it so it was stressful right, um, but uh, but yeah in, no in, way, in ten years know, that, I think I've seen it twice
1: away from your story but although they're a little unnerving you know to have something come to a head like that it's real you know that's the real world and when you when you're on your own and you're casting concrete everything's got to go right and or if you've got a deadline and you know if you have employees one of your employees isn't paying attention or isn't really doing what you want them to do or things aren't turning out the way it's like Ur, you know
0: it's real yeah. world
1: happens to the best of us and I, I try not to be too too shouty i don't throw things <laughs> i'm not <laughs> like that it did not oh, bother what me whatsoever no,
2: I mean, Lane oh, came right. up and apologized to I me. Mean, I was like, I "Don't care." Like, I I totally get where Jeff's coming from about this. Like, he wants a good product, so do I. I not so really, it not I, I just me remember
1: that, and I felt kind of bad for like jumping down people's throats. Because, like, <laughs> look, I'm you're here to learn. I'm telling you what you need to do, and I've shown you. Just do it. You know, it's frustrating.
0: <laughs> Anyhow, so okay. You, I, I'm going to, I'm going to go, I'm going to derail us just slightly and, and ask you, um, you, you mentioned kids, how many, yeah. And just a little bit more, we're going to, we're going to, we're going to take a minor detour me meander. From, meander. You know, so tell, tell us about your kids and, and that kind of part of your life, you know, why not?
2: So I have two girls. My oldest is now 19. My youngest is 17. My 19 year old has spinal muscular atrophy. It's a genetic disease. So myself and my ex both have what we call a recessive gene, and when two people with recessive genes then have a child, you have a one in four chance of having a child with SMA. Um, so it's 25% chance. Um, each Each child would have basically a 25% chance, and then each child would also have a 50% chance of having the recessive gene. So um, at that time, uh, when my daughter was diagnosed, she was... I think they let it go on a little bit longer. Um, She was like 15 months old. And I had a cousin who had spinal muscular atrophy as well, but he passed away when he was like six years old. And I was probably, I don't know, maybe 10, 10 years old at the time. So I didn't really have that much recollection of it. It's also rare that someone else in your family may have a child with SMA because of, you know, the statistics of, of having children with SMA. Um, But my daughter has never walked um she's physically very weak um but she's super smart she's uh she always likes to say she's not like me but i'd say she's exactly like (laughs) um so sometimes the kids that say they're
0: they're not like you that are the most like you
2: (laughs) um uh but she's you know she's had a lot of health issues um she's been life weighted a couple times she's had several several surgeries because with muscle weakness weakness um she has scoliosis so she's had a lot of back surgeries um she's very prone to getting pneumonia um and her lungs are weaker things like that but Mm -hmm. um she's in college right now she also did one year of pseo her junior year of high school she's going to school to be a social worker and a youth minister my youngest is also in she's also doing pseo i honestly when you try to get your kids to like do what you think is best for them, it's really hard. Mm-hmm. And I'm really proud that both of them have at least listened to me in that small aspect, like, you're going to save two years at college. Like, why wouldn't you do that? Mm-hmm. Um, but, yes, my, my 17-year-old, she's full-time college. She's a senior now. She went full-time as a junior. She's thinking about going into, like, either cybersecurity or, like, coding or, like, computer engineering, things like that. Mm-hmm.
1: That's so. very cool. Very cool. Nice,
0: sweet. Okay, so now you have come to the class with Buddy. You found the you tripped over a piece of concrete, uh, which is a really cool story, by the way. Um,
1: At least and then far. and then what? So <laughs> <laughs> tripping on it's better than having it fall. Uh, in head.
0: Yes. Well. Yes. yes.
2: Yeah.
1: <laughs>
0: So So yeah, so you've, you've, yeah, go ahead. Sorry.
2: Um, like when you feel like you got your sign, sometimes you still ignore it. Um, Mm -hmm. so I just, I just did not feel comfortable enough yet to leave what I was doing, um, to do concrete. Mm -hmm. So originally, like I was thinking, you know, when I was working full time, I thought, okay, I'm going to wait until I have enough money to really financially start a business. And so that was one factor um, for me deciding, like, should I start my own business or not? After taking the class, like Jeff, I called Jeff. He was, he listened to me probably ramble on for a while. Um, But we had literally a two hour conversation about, you know, I was really at a crossroads like, should I go back to work or should I do concrete? And Jeff really like talked me through that. Um, And I had a lot of questions like, how much money can I really make doing this? How much money, like, Mm -hmm. here's what I make now. Like, can I really make that much money doing concrete? You know, and he spent two hours on the phone with me. I mean, who spends two hours on the phone with someone like that? Um, Basically kind of almost being like my concrete therapist, I would say. Um, And he's Yoda. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And obviously he can't tell me what to do. And he told me he can't tell me what to do. And I wasn't, wanting someone to tell me what to do either um but at that time since I was always the breadwinner of my family um so I decided to start working as a director of engineering again and so I spent about a year doing that I worked for a small company and interestingly enough after a year so let's see I started in like February and I was still working um you know, on my business part-time doing, you know, paid jobs, things like that. Mm -hmm. Um, I landed a job for the Vikings player. He was a Vikings player, Kyle Rudolph. And I just had a website. I didn't personally know him like I had met him before because he did some charity events and things like that. Um, But I didn't get the job because I knew him. It was just simply out of the blue. Um, And I was like, wow. I'm making something for an NFL player. Like, this is huge. You know, why Mm -hmm. am I not doing this for a living? Um, So that was in the fall of 2021. Maybe it was 2020. No, it was in the fall of 2020. Um, And... So we completed this job. It was kind of crazy how we ended up flipping the piece. I had my neighbor come over with his Bobcat so that we could flip it, you know, because I made it in my garage, of course. Um, It was probably like a 900-pound huge island. Um, We made a couple of, we made like four different pieces, an island, a back bar top, and then two pieces for in front of his uh, golf simulator. Um, But the island, I had to get like 10 of my friends. I'm like, can you help me carry this in? My sister was there. Um yeah, we just had a ton of people. So just pulling that off was uh very daunting. Um but that went off it was it was great. Um and then about 3 months later, I got fired. So that was definitely the launch into concrete. I've mm-hmm. never been fired in my entire life. So it was sometimes, very interesting. Get pushed into um <laughs> Yeah, exactly. And that's how I felt about it. I felt this is God telling you again, like you don't listen the first time. I'm going to make you listen this time type of thing. Um, so, yeah. And it's interesting because um, the building that I'm in is only five minutes from my house. is very close. That was also kind of another thing where I was looking at a different building somewhere else um, that would have been further away because I was thinking, well, I'm, I'm working full time. Maybe I can just work, you know, part time still on concrete, mm-hmm. get a bigger shop. And, you know, I'll have it like in between where I was working full time and, you know, where I lived. thinking, well, I can go to work there, you know, during the day, spend my whole day there. And then on the way home, I can go do concrete, you know, at this halfway place. Um, that did not work out. I gave that um, it was actually the same space, like 5000 square feet that I'm in now, but it was further away. um And the guy said, no, we're, I won't take your, like, I basically made an offer. I said, if I pay everything up front for the year, will you take this instead of, you know, what he was asking for, for rent? He said, no. And then um, that same night, my boyfriend found this place. And he said, hey, let's go look at this instead. So we came here that night, looked at it, made the same offer to this guy. And he was like. And he was doing, um, he was kind of in construction. I think he owned like a drywall company or something like that. Mm -hmm. And he was like, so encouraging. He was like, you're going to do great. This is awesome. And he took our off right away. And I was like, okay, it's perfect. It's only five minutes from my house. Um, So I really felt like everything was really set up in that way. Um, So I'm very blessed in that aspect for sure. Um, I also like the reason I love concrete is you can make anything. Like that's, I mean, I'm sure all of us that's why we like concrete, right? Is because you can make everything. Anything. Um, and you can make any color. Um, but I was very I'd say like if you come to my house, if you see my motorcycle, everything's black. I really like black. I'm very plain in my like day to day life. All of my almost all of my clothes are black. Um, but for some reason like hot pink concrete is really cool. <laughs> you know? <laughs> I'm not painted concrete, but I mean even like my sign has all those colors, like Colored concrete is really cool to me. Mm -hmm. And I honestly didn't really like art either. Mm -hmm. But making concrete art is really cool to me. Um, So I just have this vision of, you know, a lot of people look at some of the trends now. Like people are using countertops or other surfaces more as like their artistic expression in their home. Like that's why you have the big, you know, full-size backsplashes and waterfall edges and things like that. But like literally that stuff is all like pre-made or it comes from you know the earth or something like that but with concrete we can literally make it look like art Mm -hmm. instead of you know stone that's kind of arty you know Mm -hmm.
0: but Mm -hmm.
2: yeah so that was like my whole that's kind of my vision where I'd like to see concrete go is more in the artistic aspect of um you know why not have a countertop that looks like. Starry Night or something that your customer really likes for, you know, different types of, or like abstract art. I really Mm -hmm. love abstract art now um, because I can see how that would look great on a countertop, like really stand out as something like, wow.
1: It's a statement. It's it's
0: funny. A couple of, two two observations. Uh, One is that I honestly had no idea that you weren't full-time when you came to class. And thought that you were full time the whole time. <clears throat> so, well done. Uh, <laughs> and then the other thing is that from your, you know, Instagram profile and that kind of thing, I never, ever in a million years would have guessed that you didn't weren't that um, loud is not the right word, but but like artistically oh. vibrant in yeah. your in your in your normal life. So I find those things very uh intriguing and funny and I like it. Um
1: I think there's uh yeah.
0: so there's,
1: there's a takeaway that a lot of people can can learn and and embrace from so what little of your story you've you've shared with us is you know you're coming you came to this with a passion and a a vision that's Probably evolved a little bit as you kind of got more um, experience with the material, and you started working more and, and realizing what is achievable within your skill set, and within your vision, and within your like realm of willingness to do it. Right. Because there's something there are some crazy things that people can do, but it's like, "Ah, I don't want to do it. You know, it's just too risky or whatever. And, you know, it's I think it's important for people to realize that not everything is going to be gray and straight edged and, you know, inch and a quarter thick. And what kind of what you see online, like what you see online is not. Indicative of what can be done or what should be done, it's just what a lot of people have done because well they're kind of following trends that other people they're they're d- d- taking the safe route right you're not taking the safe route. <laughs> I know that because of all no, of conversations I don't think I've ever- you're, you're really going out on a limb uh, you're you you know the limb is strong, but you're not afraid to to step further out than most people, and that's as daring. You've made some daring choices. You've made some um, carefully bold decisions. And it's testament to, you know, your your personal skill and your vision and your willingness to take a chance in, uh, on yourself and trust, you know, CCI to help you get to where you're going. You know, obviously you're doing this all on your own now in the sense that you don't need me to tell you what, you know, how to make a whatever because you have enough experience doing that. But it, it takes a lot of uh, trust to do that, you know, especially when you you get fired, right. <laughs> or leave a job.
0: <laughs> yeah. So where like, um, where do you, th- well, first, what was the thing that you know? You said you saw CCI at like in 2015 or something like that. So, what kind of kept you engaged to that thought? Like, what drew you to CCI initially, and then like what kept you engaged enough to come back? You know, and and decide to do the class? What four years later?
1: Yeah, that's a long time.
2: Um, oof, that's yeah. a great question.
0: Workshop. I think we're we're. Workshop. I think that, that, that word works better, right? <laughs> it's, it's
2: funny, but I'll admit that um, the marketing was, I was kind of sucked into the marketing because just the name, um, Concrete Countertop Institute, sounds great to me. <laughs> um, and I, yeah, I didn't really look at it that much. Probably, Probably like every time I searched, it came up. Um, I didn't really even know about some of, you know, the other classes or schools out there, really. Um, I just knew that I wanted to take that one.
1: It does help to be the first. honestly,
2: I don't think <laughs> I even knew that Jeff was an engineer who taught it at the time. I just yeah. knew it was like, that's what I want to do.
0: Mm-hmm,
2: mm-hmm. And it's, so it's, <laughs> even though Jeff, you say, yeah, I probably don't need you. But sometimes like there was, I made this table with the wood piece, the, the um I can't remember what kind of wood it is anyway the wood piece in the middle and I designed concrete legs for it and the night before I think we were supposed to install this I kind of had like this freak out session like are these legs too far in like is this table gonna tip over if someone leans on the edge I remember that yeah and so I ran some like quick engineering calculations and I'm like this is so simple. Like the engineering of it was really simple, but it seemed almost too simple to me. So I was like, I called Jeff like in a in a frantic panic, like, is this calculation right? You know, is this going to tip over? And I was so freaked out. And he's like, oh, yeah, it's right. He's like, but I mean, just that, being mm-hmm. able to call someone, because I mean, sure, I know other engineers. Um, I don't know. I don't think I know any other structural engineers. I don't think I um, know any other PEs. To me, when I was an automotive engineer, a PE, there was this guy, um, one of my coworkers, he was going to get his professional engineering license, and he was telling me how hard it was. And I was like, I never want to get my PE license. Like, that's no, it was. freaking do. hard. It's totally like, like too much work. I was like, <laughs> it I was was like an, no, I don't want to do that. It was an eight-hour um, exam was, that I started in a
1: year was, for. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Woof. Yes. Yeah. And he, so yeah. he was a safety engineer. So he dealt with things like, "Are your seatbelt's going to hold up?" You know, stuff like that. So mm-hmm. that was part of the reason he was really getting his B license. Yeah. Uh, but you know, yeah, yeah.
1: So it's it's a lot more anyways. common in civil because of it deals with the public and and not so common in other fields. Um, I actually started yes. as a mechanical when I was in a freshman in college because my uncle was a mechanical engineer, and so. Not that he exposed me to a lot of it, but he worked on cars and um, uh, at one point he worked, this is up in Connecticut, he worked for Electric Boat, the company that makes submarines. And I didn't know anything about what he did. But um, just that fact that, yeah, my uncle worked on making submarines was pretty freaking cool. And then he worked for companies that made super high-end furniture. Like, from a high-end production standpoint, um, not just like, oh, we're going to make one chair. It's like, okay, we got to make a hundred of these and they have to be all identical and meet the specifications uh, like Herman Miller level stuff and, uh, and above that. So oh, you yeah. was a plant engineer. So that, that kind of inspired me. And then when I got into it, I'm like, yeah, I'm, I like materials more and I kind of switched into civil because in the beginning, few first few years, the classes are identical. Like you structures, I mean, like statics, dynamics, thermo, chemistry, physics. It's all the same. All the all the math is the same. So it was it was trivial to just change course at that point. Um, but yeah. yeah,
2: yeah. So I mean, it was it was probably like I want to say it felt like. If my memory serves me right, it was like nine o'clock at night. I think I was able to talk to Jeff, you know, it was the night before and I was just like, who else can I talk to? And Jeff's always been great about answering, you know, if I have a direct question, um, you know, I can ask and I'll answer. And I didn't really have anyone else to lean on at that time. Um, It's just like, you know, the the community in general, Um, you know, when I was going to do the 23 foot fireplace round, you know, I talked to Jeff about that. I also talked to Jay Gillis from uh, Oasis. and <laughs> he told me he said it's like death from above. I'm like, what
0: That's a, what's really funny about that is a hundred percent I can hear him saying that yeah. and and when he's saying it, and Jay, I hope you're I hope you're listening to this. when he's saying that, he's got his phone here, and he's shirtless in his shop. That's. You know,
1: (laughs) that's Jay.
2: (laughs) You know, we talked about using uh, a genie lift or something like that. You know, and he was talking about like cantilevering it and stuff like that. And I was like, that's uh, just—I don't know if I want to do that. So I talked to Jeff, um, and we kind of talked over, you know, talked through well, what are the other things we can do rather than a genie lift? Because I honestly didn't feel that comfortable with counterweighting it, things like that. Um and I ended up buying an electric winch. Um and actually attached the winch to the joist in the floor. I remember and,
0: this job. <laughs> yeah.
2: I I bought a like a what do you call it? Snatch block and a pulley or something like that and attach that to the trusses. Mm-hmm. Um that was uh in case he listens to this. <laughs> the contractor well when I went to template he said or I said it, there was no drywall. So I templated with no drywall. And I said, okay, don't put drywall in, you know, because that's how I templated. I said, I'm going to buy a winch and I'm going to attach it to your trusses and your joists. And, you know, I need to see this stuff. And of course, you know, he gets busy and mm-hmm. he's a great guy. I love working with him, but he drywalled it. And I was like, okay. Crap. <laughs> exactly. So I told him, I was like, well, we're going to attach this to the trusses and, you know, and, so my boyfriend's screwing in, you know, cause he's, he's a trim carpenter by trade. So I figured, you know, he's going to be the guy who knows how to find those trusses, you know, cause he's used to finding studs and all that stuff. Right. So he's looking, Damn, looking that great. <laughs> <It's> like,
0: <laughs> yeah, he's like, Just like oh, get oh. a screw. And zzz, 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 <laughs> yeah.
2: Exactly. Right. Yeah. That's pretty much what he was doing. And it's like, something's wrong. Cause at first he couldn't use his magnetic um, stud finder. And so I, call the contractor cause he's not there as we're installing. And he's like, yeah, there's steel sound barrier or something like that. And so there, so little did we know there was a lot of space between where we thought the edge of the drywall was and where the truss was, mm-hmm. um, because there were different things, different layers. Um, but we didn't know that at the time. So we think we have our you know, plate attached to the trusses, right? And, you know, everything's going good. We're like on the fifth panel. It's like 18 feet up. We have scaffolding. Uh, so that night we, we got first five panels up. Good. Come back the next day. Actually, it was first four. So we're on the fifth panel the next day. So it's just me and my boyfriend trying to get this in. And we think, hey, we can get this in ourselves, right? But But that panel ended up just being at like almost the exact same spot of where our whole thing could pick everything up. It was like. It was out of line at the top Mm -hmm. and we were maybe a half inch, right? So close. But of course, if you're that high up and if you're trying to push something up, you know, your scaffolding wants to go back the other way. So, So we're at that point and my boyfriend says, I think we can get it. If you just hit the button on the winch, just, just touch it basically. Right. And then I said, okay, so I touch it. And he's up on the scaffolding and he says, he's like, run, right? And I'm like, what? And I'm standing there like, what? So he gets off the scaffolding, runs across the room. And I, you know, take a few steps back or something. And that panel fell. Like the whole thing out of what was attached to the trusses came out. Because basically what I did by hitting the winch, I put all of that winch power because it was stuck up there, and pulled it down. Mm -hmm. So there's this, like, eight foot So it was like a reverse
0: wedge situation.
2: Yes, exactly. So it was, like, eight foot by 42-inch piece came falling down 18, like, from 18 feet above. And thank God there was nobody below it. There was nobody helping us that day. But I I was, like, whoa. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So the the piece broke where I had my clamp attached to it. Um, a corner broke off, but we were like, and we, we made a, like a little bit, maybe a hole, like this big in the, uh, sub floor. So I look, call the contractor and tell him what happened. And, uh, he's like, okay. I was like, I'm leaving right now. I said, I'm too shook up for this. Yep, yep. I need to go think about this. And my clamp broke. That was the other thing. So we figured, Hey, we can reuse this piece. Cause the top piece was going to be a different size. You we were going to cut it to fit. Mm-hmm. So they didn't have to recast anything. Um, I knew a stone fabricator that wasn't far from me. I called him and I said, hey, do you have an extra clamp I can borrow? And so two days later, everything's in and we were done.
0: Nice. But, That's
1: amazing. Like, That's how it, strong VFRP it is. is. It was, you it have this panel. Well, falling. I have
0: a similar experience to illustrate that as well. Uh, how thick it, were those, Diane?
2: It was like what Jay said, honestly. Death from above death. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> how,
0: how thick were those panels? Yeah. yeah. So yeah. I have a very similar experience. Uh, I did not have a winch, but um, I did this fireplace surround. Uh, surround is a weird word because it, it was the wall. Uh, but, you know, like the wall was 16 feet wide and 25 feet tall. It was this ridiculous thing. And I the it had this um, accent on it. It was kind of an upside down L-shaped accent that was um, like a dark stained uh, wood that kind of bumped out. And so the top or the top two rows of the of the fireplace feature sat on top of this you know L shaped thing, and so we're up there, which so we're probably you know eighteen twenty feet in the air, and I'm the the dumb guy who does not get a winch. I, I you know we're two guys on a scaffold just kind of like sticking these things up there, and um <laughs> and so. We we had and not quite as big as, as eight feet wide. I think it was six feet by four feet, roughly. I don't remember the exact dimensions. But, like, I get it up there, and it's sitting on the thing, and I need to adjust it just a little bit. And it adjusts just enough to slip off the, the accent piece and just all the way. I mean, it went through. It, it landed kind of on a corner, and it went through the hardwoods. And it didn't break. And I installed it. From around this, you know, it was, uh, do you follow golf at all? It was Annika Sorenstam's house, and uh, she's a professional uh, female golfer, very, very oh. talented, lovely lady. And mm-hmm. all I—I I think she was there, and like all you hear is me going shit shut, from the top of the, <laughs> you know. So I <laughs> understand. <laughs>
2: It's, it's something none of us want to understand. Yeah, right.
1: right. That's a yeah. that's a moment where you have oh to go Oh my home god. To change <laughs>
0: uh, but I feel like we've all had, you know, some some experience to that effect, right? Maybe it's not a fireplace around, but
1: so the moral oh, of the story is he should have listened to you Don't and stand not under put it. Drywall on, right? If he hadn't put the drywall yeah, up like yeah. you asked him to, none of this would have happened right so it's those, con- yep. those pesky contractors that don't listen mm-hmm. well you need to get this
2: house sound, like i understand yeah. you know but yeah i mean other other artisans has, have definitely you know did 23 foot surrounds without using winch too yeah you
1: know yeah. I mean, why why um... why work hard when there's machinery that can do it for you, why take the risk of hurting yourself if there's machinery that can do it for Mm you, you know, Mm and then if, if you invest in it, if that's what you're going to be doing, like you're going to be doing a lot of panel work, invest in scaffolding. If you're going to lift heavy stuff, invest in machinery and tools that do that for you. Because I mean, at some point you still, you still have to pick up a piece and, and lift it by hand, but if you yeah. have to do that all day every day, it it gets old really fast. So
2: that was And winches why... are fairly inexpensive, too.
1: right? You right. know. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. Well. Yeah. I I bought a winch for a project one time, and it was like the greatest investment because it was for pulling pulling a king cart up onto my trailer. Because how else are you going to do it? So
1: portable um, come along.
0: I'll I'll re-rail this now. Uh it's my job. Right. It's my job to direct the conversation, right? So I've got yeah. like I've got like questions written down over here. It's all uh, official. That That's what I'm doing. If you see me like looking down, I'm like writing something down. I'm thinking, you know. Um so with that said, it kind of I, I think I know where you're going to go with this answer. Um but with all of that said, how would you say that that coming to class and becoming part of the CCI community and you know, getting to know Jeff and all of that has benefited you, your personal, you know, whatever your business, all of that, you know, how would you say that that the community and and certainly CCI has benefited you?
2: I mean, the community is huge. Um, It's always been for me, the two things for the class, and it's been Jeff and the community. So, I mean, even to this day, I think today, maybe earlier today, I was looking for something about Trazzo. I was like, who else supplies aggregates? So mm-hmm. I just went to the alumni group and searched, you know, Trazzo. Cause I know some other people, you know, posted, hey, you can get aggregates from these different companies. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a, there's a constant, you know, reference there that I can use. Also, when my oldest daughter broke her legs, when I was in, when she was in Colorado, she broke her legs. And, you know, I had posted like on my social media or something that I was in Colorado and Jason Rogers reached out to me. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's like, hey, you're in Colorado. You want to come by my shop? I'm like, "Yes, That's I'm awesome. Yeah. I love that. You know, um, and then Nick from Raw Creative, Creative yeah. reached out to me too. And I got to meet him. I'm like, this is really cool because there are people literally in every single state that I can, hey, if I'm in your state, <clears throat> Um, maybe I can go see your shop. I met mm-hmm. Bart when I was in Texas. Um, I met Steve, actually. Steve, I, I don't think Steve's went to CCI, but but <laughs> just having, I would say, the ability to reach out to other artisans. Like, if I wasn't able to reach out to them, knowing that some of them were CCI, I wouldn't probably feel comfortable enough to even reach out to Steve. Mm-hmm. And I met Steve in, in his shop in Syracuse. Mm-hmm. Um, Steve's a great guy, too. Um, but this industry as a whole is, you know, it's great. I really mm-hmm. like talking to other artisans, being able to, you know, kind of work through problems, ask them questions if I need to. And everyone has their different style or thing that they've done. you know, not all of us have been on you know, a twenty three foot surround, but you can find someone who's a CCI alumni person and ask them, mm-hmm. you know, for help, which is which is huge. i love I absolutely love the community. Um, Jeff has spent. <laughs> I I I bet you spent more time talking to me than anyone else because I will ask questions and ask questions and ask questions. Oh, I, definitely... I don't know,
0: Diane. I bet I've got you beat there.
2: Well, that's I only because that. you are right next to him.
0: <laughs> I know. I, I think I had you beat before. I, before I became part of the team. Yeah, because <laughs> you're probably smarter than me. But uh,
1: so. Um... <laughs>
0: no uh, I, I i it's it's so I, I, I'm interesting i'm gonna turn that comment yeah, around
1: there aren't enough people that reach out to talk to me that should true right i agree yeah, I, I agree with that. there are no stupid questions there are no but dumb just, questions
2: i've had some people ask me um i had someone recently ask me who went to class with me about like how do you do marketing and stuff like that and um you know, I gave him whatever answers I could, and I said, Hey, you know what? You should reach out to Caleb because he took over like Lane's position, kind mm-hmm. of, you know, and marketing. I said, You know, we have the sales and marketing um, workbook or whatever. I said, But you should just reach out to him. And I don't think he has yet. Honestly, uh, what I do
0: you me, know who it was? Because I think uh, you somebody did that you that you Brandon, <clears throat>
2: Brandon, um, Kohler, I think Kohler, that's he said. yes,
0: well, yes, he did, yeah. he, he absolutely uh, did. Yeah, there
2: you go. Don't Um, and I think, yeah, I mean, I would also say there's, there's times where I'll just send Jeff a picture or something and like, maybe he doesn't respond. And honestly, uh, I'm used to that because engineers are kind of, we're kind of a little bit different, but if you ask Jeff a direct question, he always answers. Mm -hmm. Um, and I think the other thing is I'm also used to engineers. So like when Jeff goes and talks about like all the different possibilities, I'm very used to that. Mm -hmm. Um, And I don't want him to tell me what to do. I want him to tell me all the possibilities or did you think of this? Did you think of that? Mm -hmm. You know? Um, It's it's the whole
0: teach a man to fish kind of thing. You know, he's he's not going to tell you this is the answer. It's, you know, here we're going to work through it and get to the answer together. And then maybe next time you can, you know, work through that same process on your own. And so, uh yeah. And and I think I was gonna going back to the community thing for a sec, um it's unlike any community that I'm you know aware of, I, I hear a lot about, you know, a lot of drama in like the woodworking community or whatever. And I think for some reason, and maybe it's because it's so small still, maybe it's just special, I hope it's just special, but it seems a lot more collaborative than a lot of other, you know, trades. To to your point, you know, and Jason Johnston last week mentioned the same thing. It's like I could call somebody anywhere in, you know, and, you know, I know that if I'm in Australia, you know, I can call Terry or if I'm in, you know, Colorado, I can call Nick and I it's just it's such a cool like there's I've never experienced a community quite like that.
1: I think one of the, the things that helps that is every every one of us who are drawn to doing this. Is drawn from a point of wanting to be creative and expressive. And you want to do something that's very personal to you. Diane, you've already given us a a rough sketch of what inspires you, what's your vision for your concrete. And that's kind of the cool thing about concrete as a building material. Like I've studied steel and uh, my master's degree is in is is in soil engineering. I'm a soil, geo geotechnical engineer, so dirt, right? The oldest building material there is. And the thing with concrete is you don't specify, you make it, right? You make it for the project. Now, you know, we as artisans have a spectrum of we can go buy somebody's bag mix, we can go buy somebody's additives, or we can find a formula we like and make our own, right? But Ultimately, we're making our own concrete. We're making it whatever color we want. We make it whatever texture we want. We all those kind of things. Terrazzo, for instance. Right. And that's not really something that a lot of other crafts can do. Like with wood, you pick. Do, am I going to be working with walnut or, or mahogany or, or bird's eye maple? And you can, you know, pick different species and you certainly can figure out how you're going to. What, so the joiner and things like that, but you're not really working. You're not influencing the material itself. You're just working with what's available mm-hmm. to you. And, you know, even more so with like metalworking. Okay. Am I using, you know, what grade of steel or, or am I working with other kind of metals like brass or copper? Or if you're a jeweler, you're working with precious metals. Like you're not really making your own metal. You're working with, okay. I'm going to go buy some hot rolled steel and it's going to be X, Y, Z shape, size, thickness, whatever. And now I'm going to cut it up, weld it, do whatever, forge it or whatever. You know, with concrete, we literally can start from raw ingredients and forge our own material. And that speaks very, it's a very powerful draw to a lot of people because it's the it's the beginning of that creative avalanche that's going to spring forth from you mm-hmm. um so i think the other we're, thing we're is all I, kind of I we all Jason- deal with the same kind of issues and and challenges and there's a camaraderie in 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 the in that too
2: yeah i think because we can make so many different things that also is like very unique to our industry. Um, That also kind of helps with, you know, competition, you know, um, you know, certain people make just furniture, certain people make just fireplace rounds or you can, I mean, it's the nice thing that you can kind of find your own niche basically within our industry as well. So it's not just countertops. It's not just fireplace rounds. You know, there's so many different avenues of marketing and sales that you can do with this industry. And that's, that's another big part of why I feel like a lot of us don't feel like we really compete with each other because we don't one. um, A lot of us are just local or something like that, but also there's so many different types of products we can also make. Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah. Well, and, and I, I made this point a couple of weeks ago or maybe it was last week, but to, to that point, like, I don't know if you have any other, you know, artisans in your immediate area, but a lot of us do, Um, I know that, you know, when I was in Orlando, uh, Jake Brady was, you know, a couple hours away. Patrick Galladay was a couple hours away. Um, You know, in Florida, a lot of the contractors and stuff work in multiple big cities. And so, you know, it's not all that common for, or I'm sorry, it's not all that rare. It wasn't at the time for me to have a job in Sarasota, which is where Jake is and, you know, him in Orlando and vice versa. And so, but we never like ran across each other. It was the, it was the weirdest thing. And I know that we were both very busy and I know that we were working a lot, you know, kind of quote unquote side by side, but like, I never saw him on, you know, there was never a comp, you know, competitive thing. And, you know, similarly here, harvest leisure, uh, fluid form concrete is uh, in Brevard. So 45 minutes for me, actually, Jeff, he's um, he and Trevor are both going to come to the November class. So yeah, excited yeah. about that. But um, he texted me today, but, um, But yeah, so it's so it's so cool and so different. You know, I feel like when you've got, you know, three or four cabinet makers, I doubt that they're, you know, having lunch with each other. I mean, maybe they are and that would be great. But, you know, I I go down to Brevard and have lunch with Harvest or he'll come up, you know, and it's just it's a really it's a really cool opportunity that we have to kind of elevate each other. And I that's it's that's by far my favorite thing about the the trade, the industry, whatever you want to call it.
2: I think it's also, um, <laughs> I don't want to say misery lace company, but like <laughs> we have a, I used to run, I used to run marathons, um, but I likened doing concrete to running a marathon um, for this reason is that you go through honestly, all of these emotions of, at first, you're all like, "I'm excited! I can, uh, I'm going to start this business. It's going to be great, right?" Just like you're at the start of the marathon, you're like, "I'm going to like, mm-hmm. I'm going to hit this like four hour marathon. Everything's going to be wonderful." And then you get to like, you know, mile 12, 13, your feet are wet, and you have blisters, and then you know, just like concrete, you're like in the middle of it, and it's like, "This sucks!" Like, I bet, I bet you, I don't know how many artisans or how many times I've said it, like, concrete sucks. I hate this. But then you get to the end and you're like, this is wonderful and you want to do it again. And that's how a marathon is. Like you're in the middle, it's hard, you hate it, you finish, you're happy, you're done. And then like two days later, you're like, I want to do this again. I'm going to sign up for another marathon, you know. And that's honestly, that's kind of how concrete feels to me. Like you have these big ideas, like I'm going to make this huge monstrous or this really artistic or, you know, whatever ideal you have you're like, this is all this culmination. And then when you're pouring the concrete or even sometimes maybe if you demold something, it doesn't look like what you want. And then, you know, like all of us think, okay, two days later, we're like back all into it. Like we're going to still get this. We're still going to do it. We're going to get it done. Um, And I think just that emotional process really ties us all together because we all go through that. Mm -hmm. And I, I would be surprised if woodworkers, you know, Maybe business owners probably go through it. Um, but just, you know, like a woodworker or, you know, a hobbyist or things like that. I don't think they quite go through the same types of emotions.
0: It is a little bit fascinating. You know, we all must be slightly masochistic because you think about it. Concrete's the only material I'm aware of that, like, likes to screw with you. Yes. You know, it's like we're playing with fire over here and we know it can burn us, but it's still kind of fun. You know, And <laughs> it's like Everybody eight likes times to play out of ten, you know what it's going to do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, and and it's I, at one time, this is very early on. I don't know if I've told the story on the podcast, but uh, this is before I went to CCI. Actually, this, oh, this, this, pro- uh, the end part of this project was being installed. Well, yeah, anyway, uh, I was, somebody was installing stair steps from this project on my wedding day, which was weird. But um, it was the, this island was actually sitting in my shop ready to waiting to get installed when I came to CCI. So it was October 2013, roughly. And it was this big two inch thick Island and it was in two pieces. Cause it was wet cast. And because I knew absolutely no things, it was wet cast with no reinforcement because I don't, I, I wasn't taught. Right. So just yep. pouring concrete. Um, So two inches thick, each piece is like says so 14 foot by, I don't know, five and a half foot Island. So, each piece is seven feet wide, long, and five feet wide. I mean, I so gosh, each piece was like <laughs> fifteen hundred pounds per half, or something ridiculous like that. And I pour it, and the next day we flip it. We almost die flipping it, as one does. And there's this perfect circle in the middle of the ca- of sand grains. Like I polish it, it had been a full moon, and the sand grains collected in a perfect circle in the middle of my black countertop. <laughs> And I had to redo it because, like, I don't know. And, I mean, it's it's that kind of thing that is wildly unpredictable and is, is, like, what makes us hate it and love it all at the same time because there's this element, and I think that's what gives it the emotion. It gives it the, you know, there's that something about it that, that natural stone and other countertop materials just don't have. It's just this – it is what it is. It is its own thing, and, you know, for, for us to – have the opportunity to like learn to wrangle it is a challenge and a blessing and a curse and a,
1: you know, all of those there's, things there's, there's, that there's make it worth weird. doing. I, I can't speak from experience cause I don't have kids, but making a piece of concrete and going through the whole stages of planning for it, making it processing, installing it, and then seeing the clients, you know, Re- reaction to it, I think it in a, is a microcosm of, in a weird way, like raising a child. Right, you're you're you. It's
0: you're almost like marrying help, off your kid, right? It's
1: like you hope everything's going to turn out right, but you're not really sure. And they're gonna, like going to, like we said, really you far. you can influence them, but they're going to make their own decisions. So I don't know. That's a weird yeah, thing, yeah. but you both have kids, so I'm like, oh, maybe maybe that's part of it. Maybe it taps into the human you know, psyche of re- reacting. and responding. I do think there's
0: a lot about the material that taps into those emotional kind of, you it's know, roller yeah. the things we need therapy for are the things that come out with concrete, you know?
1: Right, right. I mean, even when you are <laughs> uh, very, very experienced and like, I mean, I'm to the point where I'm developing products that I, that other people are going to rely on. So there's a lot of pressure on it. There are still surprises. There are still interesting things to learn that, you know, you're like, wow, I, you know, I've always either assumed this or run under the, the you know, somebody told me this, so I'm going to keep doing that. And then eventually I get around to like I'm looking at fiber loadings right now, and it's like. Well, I was, wow. going, I was
0: about to say it's kind of like the fiber, the fiber thing, yeah. the brand of fibers, yeah. like
1: brand of fibers, the the I, the fiber. You would loadings, think it wouldn't make a difference, uh, but apparently of the fibers it does. It's not as clear cut and 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 intuitive as you would think. Um, well, because
0: you're you're led to believe that you're comparing apples to apples, you know.
1: Yeah, well, that's it's. I mean, when you don't know any. When you don't know the details of something, you have to fall back on what are you familiar with, and what are you know. If if you have a, something new, and I mean, I'm talking with my hands, but you can't see my hands. If you have something new, you're always comparing you, it. You to will what, when the when the recording is wait,
0: done. Wait, you will see what your
1: you're in. used to, what you're familiar with, and and that's that's basic human nature. Like is to okay. There's this unknown, so I'm going to try to wrap my head around it and explain it and understand it relative to stuff I do know. Um, That's the only way we can, our brains work. So sometimes those connections, which seem reasonable because our brains are manufacturing these connections, are completely wrong or not necessarily wrong, but misguided so concrete in a way kind of sh- shows you that like a long time ago and I, I may have mentioned this in in one of your in the class that you either of you were in but concrete is like i'm in it, it this is a language class when you come and learn about concrete it's a language class and because concrete talks to you it communicates with you and it has a pretty simple vocabulary but it is absolutely clear when you screw up and you don't do what it wants you to do. (laughs) You just have to figure out how to interpret that and then correct it. And it's, it's more often time, you know, I screwed up and did something it didn't like. So it's going to not cure, right. It's going to curl. It's going to crack. It's going to come out the wrong color. It's going to do something. It's going to have that sand, those sand grains come out in a weird spot something right you know it's 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 the constantly reflecting on how it reveals our hubris that we are in complete control but on the other hand i see my role and cci's role as a whole is to help people see a bigger picture to help so that you can start learning how to understand stuff you know that's why I stress fundamentals as being so important because if if mm-hmm. all you know how to do is follow somebody else's directions, that only works until the concrete says, "Hey, those directions aren't right," <laughs> or you deviate yeah. from the directions, well, and, uh, and you're not—you don't realize you do.
0: Well, and I think, you know, to to get the fundamentals, you know, we, we exist to do that. And certainly we've done, you know, various techniques, things and advanced classes and things like that. And I think, you know, to get the fundamentals, you know, it really is. And that's why we offer the ultimate, you know, uh, workshop. It's like, here's five days to really dive in and, you know, not just skip across the surface in, you know, a day or two, it's like dive in and get to know us and get to know. I mean, there's a whole lot of, you know, getting to know us and, and where, where you, you know, where we fit into your journey that, that helps you hopefully. Um, so that you can actually access us. And so
1: some of the things that you're doing now, Diane, we didn't cover it all. But the right. fundamentals of what you learned helped you guide yourself to some of the visions that you're going to have for your own company uh, now and in the future. Um, I've seen oh, some building the, blocks, right? Big, you know, slabs that you've made that were very, very thin. It's like, wow, that's that hey, quarter inch students. slab. I want to hear yeah. more
0: about that, actually. Yeah, do tell. <laughs>
2: The same contractor who, uh we worked with on that tallster around is the one who pushed me. He's like, "I want a quarter inch slab." I'm like,
0: "But why though? Can we talk about that? Like, what's the?"
2: He wants to put him on the ceiling.
0: Oh, okay. as one should, you know. How how much did that? There was a, five, a four by eight slab. Five it's by five eight? by ten. Five by ten. Okay, how much does that five by ten slab weigh?
2: It's Query. about 104 pounds. So <laughs> no, so it's less than porcelain. And what's great about concrete, and that's like I always like to compare it because, like, what's great about concrete? It's so flexible.
0: Is there just if a ton have... of scrim in it? What's that? Ton of scrim on the backside.
2: Oh, you did push scrim, just one layer. Yeah. yeah, but it's like I can bend that thing six, eight inches from end to end, and it's like it doesn't matter.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, I mean, just just think of like we can compete with some of this like porcelain. Yeah, and yeah. Just there's so many times where concrete's better than any other stone out there and people don't realize it. And it kind of drives me crazy like you can have any color, you make thin stuff that's easier, lighter. Mm-hmm. You know, it's yeah.
0: But isn't that part of the beauty of being part of this thing is that we get to be we get to be the people educating the public on on this crazy thing that we love so much?
1: Yeah. I'm so more of a builder than a
2: teacher, I <laughs>
0: Concrete evangelism. <laughs> There's gotta That's be a, a name for that. <laughs> oh man, I love it. So, so like Go ahead. Oh,
2: just I mean, for example, when I was setting up my shop and uh I really wanted to make this this sign, right? And I called Jeff and we talked through how can I make this sign? and it wasn't just it was really complicated formwork and i just i really wanted to bend it you know because i, I don't remember who i was following on instagram and they posted something like was well, a this bendable concrete cool. thing yeah so mm-hmm. i was like that's really cool um so i and my um business colors are red and black so i wanted to do this red piece and this black piece and the outside of it was going to be red and it was going to basically kind of go around it was almost like a hug, if you will. And it was going to be this like tall cylinder and it was going to bend it literally 360 degrees. That was, that was the great plan anyway. And Jeff's like, why are you making this? Like, who's going to buy this from you? You know, even if you show that you can do this, why, why? You know, I'm like, cause it's cool." Of course. Um, and so I didn't really listen to Jeff, even though I probably should have, cause he was right. Um, cause he was like, why are you making this? And I was like, I just, I just want to make it right. It's been, I spent five hundred dollars at least, if not more, just on red pigment because mm-hmm. I wanted super red. So, well, I didn't. Uh, I didn't probably search the forums enough to know that super red um, is a retarder. <laughs> yes, retards. <laughs> That's the lesson. Yeah, everybody, everybody learns when they use stuff. Red everywhere. We were wasted 500 dollars of pigment and I still haven't remade that um sign eventually I will but um just learning experiences that I mean I'm sure if I would have searched you know I could have found that out that it's a retarder and now you know all of us or most of us know that already but mm-hmm. um just just uh just the talking down type of thing that Jeff can do sometime like why are you going to do this like he he asked you all the questions all the right questions it seems like and whether or not we listen. Um, but at least you have a sounding board, you know, the
0: old talk you off the ledge situation. Mm -hmm. It's like, I'll come up with something ridiculous for a client that, you know, is it's the extra mile, which I think is super valuable, but also are you getting paid for the extra mile, you know? And he's like, well, did you charge for this crazy thing you're about to do for this client? And I'm like, maybe I don't need to do it, you know? And it's that, it's that voice of reason to talk you off the ledge. And I think that's the, again, just that was the value for me in taking the class. And, you know, like you, I actually, you know, I called Jeff and, and, you know, really made use of that benefit, maybe abused it of, you know, him being available and CCI being an, an available resource to me as an artisan. And to me, that's the, that's the value. That's the, you know, the, the class is like the starting line of this relationship that you are developing with CCI when you invest in the class. Um,
1: well, my, my vision that the... has always been, and our vision continues is we're here to make people successful, successful doing what they dream of doing. Right. And, and mm-hmm. that, that's an open-ended statement because we don't know what you want to do and everybody wants to do something different. So there's no formula for, okay, here's the, here's the the manual that you have to follow. And we're going to chapter five, paragraph four, step seven of, okay, now you got to check this box and do this step. And then it's not like that. It's, right it's a collaboration of growth and you know coming to class is just the beginning it's the training like when you want to run a marathon you just don't wake up one day and go i've never done one before um i'm gonna go buy some shoes and run a marathon next week some people do that but very few people actually succeed and get to the end you know they, they might get discouraged or they might get hurt or whatever but you know when you come to class it's like training for that and and that's not the end of it it's now a lot of it's up to you to go from there but you're not alone and you know that's that's something that i've always felt was very very important is when you have somebody to lean on even if it's just a a lot of times it's just validation. Hey, I, 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 I'm thinking of doing X, Y, Z a certain way. Does that sound about right? And I'm like, yeah, I, that's exactly how I would do it. That's you're right on track, you know, just having that validation and that confirmation of, yeah, you got this. That goes a long way. It's, it's, it's not yeah. about me trying to be you know, oh, I know everything. I'm, I'm the whatever. No, it's, that's not how it is. It's, I, I want, I want everybody to take off and fly on their own. And not that I don't ever want to hear from you. And, and, but, you know, there's, there's a point where, yeah, you, you leave the nest, you learn how to fly, you're, you're on your own, but that doesn't mean you, you don't, you know, keep touching base. Um Because ultimately, and we saw this with Jason last week, as you progress through your career you know when you you come to class you start your business there's a a period of time a year two three years where people kind of get their feet under them and and gain the confidence and develop their market and really start generate you know that they're now a solid mature business and when they get to the point in their business where all of a sudden okay We got this. Everything we're doing, we we could do with confidence. We're getting the results we want on a consistent basis, which is fantastic, right? That that's what you want. Then you're like, okay, now what's next? Now where can I take it to the next level? What can I do? Can I make that five by ten foot quarter inch thick slab? You couldn't do that on year one with any degree of confidence and certainly not a, a high degree of success. But there's a point where, yeah, you want to challenge yourself. You want to do more. You, you want to stretch yourself. You want to grow. We want to keep growing. We we want to be more creative. And so, having the, this community, right, of people who maybe have already helped, been done something similar that we can all lean on each other. And, you know, Caleb and I are just two of the, we're like the, uh, the, 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 um the faces like the the anchor people at the newsroom yeah, that you see but there's a lot of other people behind us that that want us you know we're invested in you because you're invested in us
2: I mean I can say you know I went to actually the the college that I went to was five year school mm-hmm. um and I double majored so you know I spent 5 years in college and you know Once I actually was an engineer, even so the school that I went to, we had um, basically an internship. So three months you went to school, three months you did an internship, like without that. So if I would have had like, say a normal, you know, college degree and you don't do any internship until the very last part, you don't have like, you don't have any real world experience. And so even spending say four years on a bachelor's degree, you, you go to class, you learn statics, you know, you learn all of these things, but you don't have any real world application to it. Right. And so I would say like comparing CCI to that, you know, I spent a lot of money on my college degree, you know, and I can't call any of those professors. Like, I don't have their phone numbers. That wasn't really encouraged to call them. Like, how do I, you know, How do I design this packaging equipment? You know, I mean, that's like you said, it's just a foundation that's just like any other education out there. But I mean, see, I've talked to Jeff way more than any of my professors in college, you know, and just having that open line of communication is huge and that it's not like I called any of the other, I mean, I had some friends, you know, from college and I call them and ask them, but they're doing a different type of engineering than I am. They couldn't even answer my questions if I wanted to know, you know, where all of us are doing, I don't want to say the same thing, but we're all dealing with concrete. We have that line um, between us as well as we can all call Jeff, Mm
1: -hmm. you
2: know, or you Caleb, you know? So yeah, that's huge. I mean, I, like I said, a four-year degree versus well, I spent five days in class you know, it's, it's been, I've had more support from CCI than, you know, my alumni mm-hmm. um, where I have my BS degrees from. So.
0: And that's, we, we want to keep it up, you know, that's, that's the, it's, it's almost like a, I mean, I joined because that's like, I believe so deeply in that mission, you know, it was so, you know, pivotal and, and, and revelatory for me to, to jump into that kind of a community. And so, you know, it, it it resonates so deeply with me and, you know, obviously with you as well. And I think, you know, that's the beauty of the kind of the model that Jeff chose when, when CCI was formed of, you know what, I'm going to be available. And so, yeah. Um, well, we've Our, done an hour and 20.
1: Hour and 20 minutes, yeah. I was just going to finish up kind of related to that. And then we can we can wrap this up. Is yeah. When I got you know started in doing all this, I'm playing with a pencil. I play with my hand. I play with stuff when I'm talking and and thinking. And um, you know, back in 1999, when this was such a infant craft movement, not even an industry. It was an infant craft movement, and there was such a, a dearth of information. Everything was a big secret. And nobody nobody talked to each other. And if, if you did, it was in, you know, don't, don't tell somebody I, I learned this or don't tell, you know, it was, there wasn't any collaboration, very very isolated. And, you know, so, you know, I was just a small little nobody in, you know, garage in North Carolina was, didn't have a name, but a lot of stuff I had to do on my own and I had to draw on my own resources. And at the time, you know, as I started a, a, a fabrication business, the the reputation of concrete was pretty low. Um, there were a lot of problems. There were a lot of misunderstandings. And there still are today. And there's still some people still regurgitating bad information over and over again because, well, it's easy to repeat stuff that you hear and you don't know any better. So you just repeat it as if it's right. And, you know, I started making countertops as a business, not really to do it as a business alone, but to show as a demonstration that, you know, you can make concrete that doesn't stain. You can make concrete that doesn't crack. Now this is way before GFRC and way before any of the good sealers we have today. Um So I was doing a proof of proof physical proof. Hey, you can do proof this. Proof of concept. Right? But, proof of concept, but it, you know, it's hard to reach an entire national market when you're just a little guy working out of a two-car garage making, you know, one or two at a time. I didn't even have any employees. So when i started cci uh 5 years later the goal there was to elevate the industry like to preserve the mm-hmm. industry because there were so many people starting to get into it but they were learning bad information and i could see that if 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 there wasn't somebody to you know write the course of hey this is how concrete really works and that's why I stress the fundamentals. Stress understanding engineering is like you can't just make up concrete and throw throw a bunch of ingredients together and actually get something that does what you expect. You might have a surprise. Well, that's okay if you do it as a hobby, but you know, if all of a sudden you're you're generating an industry and developing these relationships with designers and architects and builders and individual customers. They're relying on you to create something that does what you say it does. And so there's a certain Mm -hmm. level of education that is necessary. You know, you just don't jump in a plane and start flying it because, well, you watch a couple of YouTube videos or YouTube didn't exist back then. Somebody said, hey, yeah, you can do it. I just did it. You can do it too. (laughs) That's an extreme example. But there's a place for for education, and its place is to build those foundational elements, so that the experience that you gain from working with this material or doing things is positive. Because if you don't have a good foundation, you will get experience, and it's not going to be good. So th- they're both intricately and in, um, entwined, and our position is still. To elevate the industry because this is not a this is not a um a movement that's going to go away i mean i've taught people all over the world and more and more people around the world are are learning about concrete and learning how wonderful it is all the all the points that you made diane about the the things we can do and the colors and the shapes and and have a a superior like some Stuff that like what Steve does with his wood-look concrete. I mean, you could have a piece of wood that looks like, you know, sliced ponderosa pine outside, and it's not going to rot because it's not wood, but it looks like wood. So there's there's some benefits to using this material, but it behooves us to really understand the intricacies of it so that we can become really good at what we do. And grow the industry so it's not just just me getting better it's everybody getting better and that's that's why CCI is really committed to building a community um, being positive and being supportive because it's all about success for everybody it's not just a success for one person at the expense of other people it's the growth and success of everybody so we want to elevate everybody together because that's how we're all going to succeed. So yep. yeah. I, I really appreciate you taking the time out of your schedule and, uh, and spending all this time with us on a Wednesday afternoon.
0: Yes. Uh, two, I only two. gave
2: you an hour and 20 minutes, Jeff. You probably gave me like 120 hours <laughs> of your time. 127 so, yes, hours absolutely. and
1: 34 minutes. <laughs>
0: He's counting, uh, unrelated. So fun fact. Uh, I'm going to, I'm going to poke at him a little bit. Dylan Myers is in the audience. And so he's, he, he's seeing what he's in for.
2: <laughs> next, so hi Dylan. Um, uh, <laughs> wait, wait, wait. So when I, when I did call Jeff or yeah, when I did call Jeff after the class, he actually referenced Dylan. As one of the very successful people that could match my salary, so Dylan, I hope you're uh, making a lot of money out there.
0: <laughs> Dylan's doing some wild stuff. He
2: does. He is, yeah,
1: he does. I love it. Right, I we love should it. wrap up. Uh,
0: Diane, any any final any final thoughts? Anything you want to you know end up uh, wrap up with?
1: Or
2: uh, I think I probably talked too much. But
0: <laughs> no, you didn't. Not at all.
2: I appreciate um, that you guys let me on your podcast. So thank. Of
0: you. course, absolutely, we're glad to have you. Glad to have you. So, well, thanks for thanks for coming on. Thanks for um, to Dylan for being live, uh, and uh, and and to uh, all of you who will listen listen later. Um, but uh, yeah, tune in tune in next week for more exciting
1: content. <laughs> right.
0: <laughs> so, thanks, Diane. I really appreciate it.
1: Much appreciate it. Right. All right. Bye. Bye. Bye.
0: Thanks for listening to the Maker in the Mix podcast. If you liked the content and want to hear more, please like and subscribe. Uh, Feel free to follow us on YouTube as well as Instagram, Facebook, and check out the website, www.concretecountertopinstitute.com. And of course, we'd love to see you at one of our upcoming classes. Tune in
1: next week for more informative content. Thanks.